Good morning, guys. Uh, we have been working our way through Daniel chapter number 9 uh, in lieu of Palm Sunday. And um, in Daniel chapter number 9, verse number 1, we found that the first year of Darius was in 538 B.C. In verse number 2, we found that Daniel was obviously a student of the Scripture, and he had been studying from Jeremiah 25 and 29. And... Um, he discovered that their captivity was only going to be 70 years, uh, and they had already been there about 67 years at the time, so he knew the time of their captivity was almost over. And then we answered the question, why 70 years? Because when they came into the land, they were told to give the land a rest on the Sabbath. They didn't do it. 490 years went by. 490 divided by 7, they owed the Lord 70 years of rest for the land. So he had them thrown out of the land into Babylonian captivity for 70 years. And of course, we learn that through Leviticus 25 and 26. Um, then we looked in verse number 3. And, and I set my face to God to seek by prayer and supplication, fasting, sackcloth, and ashes. So he's asking the Lord what's going to happen with the nation of Israel. And then Daniel, in verses 4 through 19, goes through a lengthy prayer of um, national repentance for what, in other words, we know that what we did, the prophets, you sent them, we killed them. Uh, national repentance. And then in verse number 20, his prayer is interrupted by an angelic visitor. And while I was speaking and praying, confessing my sin, the sin of my people Israel, and presenting my supplication before the Lord my God for the holy mountain of my God. And while I was speaking, even the man Gabriel. So Gabriel was dispatched to answer Daniel's prayer. And he starts out in verse 22 by telling Daniel how he is so greatly beloved and how that as soon as his prayer went forth, uh, he was dispatched uh, to answer his prayer. Uh, I think the, um, the application for you and me is that God does answer our prayers. Yes, no, and not now. <laughs> so all of our prayers are answered. We can always say God answers all of our prayers. The question is, does God answer the prayers we want or answer them the way we want him to? But he does answer all our prayers. And then in verse number 27, we get down into the meat of the prophecy. And he says, 70 weeks are determined upon your people. That's 490 years, 70 weeks of seven, 70 times seven. And during that time, He's going to accomplish these six things. And we know that Christ, at his first advent, accomplished the first three, uh, finishing willful sin, missing the mark, and mark and iniquity. All of that was taken care of at the cross. However, on, at his first advent, he was not able to bring in everlasting righteousness or seal vision and prophecy, let alone anoint the most holy. Those things are still yet to be fulfilled. And then we got down in verse number 25 and said, well, it's definitely been almost 2,000 years. What happened? It's supposed to only be 490. It was supposed to be 483, according to verse number 25. He said, from the going forth of the command to restore and rebuild Jerusalem until Messiah the Prince shall be basically 483 years. Um, 
obviously, at 483 years, Christ did come, and, and we were told about that because the the command to rebuild the walls of Jerusalem was in Nehemiah chapter 2, verses 1 through 6, which was in 445 BC. And archaeological discovery has narrowed that down even further to the month of March, the day of the 14th. And if you count from March 14 to 445 BC and you launch out 483 years, you end up at at the date of April 6, 32 AD. And of course, we went over the Babylonian calendar versus the Julian calendar. The Babylonian calendar has 360 days times 483 years is 173,880 days, which would have put us right at April 6, 32 AD. Uh, that is prophesied in Daniel. And on April 6, 32 AD, that's when Jesus was sitting with his disciples up on the east side of the Mount of Olives, right outside the eastern gate. And he begins to make his way down upon the donkey, which had never been ridden. He gets into the, into the city, coming through the gate, and the people begin um, throwing palm branches at him and, and asking him, Hosanna, could you save us now? And Jesus went, where did Jesus go? Um, remember, even as he's coming through the gate, the, the leaders are like, listen, you really need to tell your disciples to stop saying this. Uh, and he said, if these did not cry out, even the very rocks would cry out. So Jesus, 400, on April 6, 32 AD, as prophesied by Daniel in Daniel 9, was coming down through the eastern gate to restore the glory to Israel that had left. And where did that glory leave? I told you I'd pick that up. Um, because when Jesus came through the gate, he comes down on that date as prophesied by Daniel, and he makes his way straight to the temple. Why was he doing that? Because the glory had already left Israel. That's where the Ichabod, the word Ichabod comes from. The glory has departed and um, so Jesus was coming to bring the glory back to Israel. Now, the word glory in the Old Testament is, is speaks of she the Shekinah glory. Do you remember the Shekinah glory? Um, the Shekinah glory was the pillar of fire by night, the pillar of cloud by day that led the children of Israel through their wilderness wanderings. And the Bible says that Jesus was that glory. Jesus was the one that led them through the desert. And the Shekinah would rest between the wings of the cherubim. Remember the tabernacle in the wilderness that Moses had erected based upon the pattern that he had found up on the mountain. And he would cover it with these badger skins and everything. And inside you had an exact replica of what is in heaven. And the Shekinah glory of God would rest between the wings of the cherubim. And when it would, and the only person that could go in there was Moses. And when it would raise up from out of the tabernacle, the people would start packing all their stuff and they would follow it. It was a pillar of cloud by day and it was a pillar of fire by night. It's the same pillar of fire that saved them from Pharaoh uh, and his armies. It, so it blocked 
their way as they could cross the Red Sea without Pharaoh's army coming against them. And the Bible indicates that, that the Shekinah glory of God is the sun. Okay, And then, of course, when Solomon built the temple in Chronicles, the Shekinah glory came and rested in the new temple. And it remained there for thousands more years. But then something happened. It left. The glory had departed. Um, and to understand what Jesus was doing here in the Gospels, you need to understand what had happened. You know, these people that run around saying you need to unhitch yourself from the Old Testament... Um, that's heresy. You cannot unhitch yourself from the Old Testament to properly understand the New Testament. That's not going to happen. You cannot understand the significance of what was happening here with Jesus coming down off that mountain on the east side, coming through the eastern gate, heading straight to the temple. If you don't understand the Shekinah glory that led the children of Israel in the wilderness, the same Shekinah glory that rested in the, the, ta the wilderness tabernacle, that rested in Solomon's temple, if it wasn't for the Old Testament. And we also further see in Ezekiel, the Bible tells us exactly when that Shekinah glory departed. In Ezekiel chapter number 10 and verse number 1, it says, Then I, I looked and beheld in the firmament that was above the head of the cherubims, there appeared over them to sit, as it were, a sapphire stone as the appearance of the likeness of a throne. And he spake unto a man clothed um, with linen and said, Go in between the wheels, even under the cherub, and fill thine hand with coals of fire and between the cherubim and scatter them over the city. And, and he went in out of my sight. Now the cherubim stood on the right side of the house when the man went in, and the cloud filled the inner court. Then the glory of the Lord, this is the Shekinah, the glory of the Lord went up <clears throat> from the cherub. It lifted up and it stood over the threshold of the house and the house was filled with the cloud and the court was full of the brightness of the Lord's glory. Now I encourage you to read all of this, um, Ezekiel 10 and 11. But go down to verse number 18 just for time's sake. Then the glory of the Lord departed from off the threshold of the house and stood over the cherubim. So the glory is obviously moving. And Ezekiel is seeing this. And then we get over into, into chapter number 11 of Ezekiel and verse 1. He says, <clears throat> Moreover, the Spirit lifted me up and brought me to the eastern gate of the Lord's house, which looked toward the east. What's on the eastern side of Jerusalem? The Mount of Olives. And behold, at the door of the gate, five and twenty men, among whom I saw Jezaniah, the son of Azor, and Pelatiah, the son of Benaiah, princes of the people. And he said unto me, See, of son of man, these are the men that are devising mischief and give wicked counsel in this city. So now God is telling them why the glory is departing from Israel because they're corrupt. Even the priests in the temple are, are wicked. The leadership is wicked. And then we get down into verse number 23 of chapter 11. And the glory of the Lord went up from the midst of the city, stood upon the mountain which is on the eastern side 
And afterward, the Spirit took me up and brought me in a vision by the Spirit of God in Chaldea to them that are of the captivity. So the vision that I had seen went up from me. So the glory of the Lord departed because he goes in verse number 12, or chapter 12, you dwell in the midst of a rebellious house, which have eyes to see and see not, have ears to hear and hear not, for they are a rebellious house. So the glory departed from Israel. That same glory that followed them in the wilderness, gone. And during the entire, from the time the glory departed in Ezekiel to the time our Lord, the glory had been gone. Temple worship, sacrifice, everything went on as usual, but God was not there. Reminds me of a lot of churches today. Um, God is not in it. It's fleshly. It's carnal. Um, but Jesus, sitting on that Mount of Olives, he is restoring the glory. He is the glory. He came through the eastern gate. He went straight to the temple. And what did he find? They were making merchandise of his people. He begins to pitch tables. Now, let me ask you this. At his first advent, Jesus did this. But guess what? At his second advent, he's going to do it again. But he's going to do it differently. Because at his second advent in the, in the book of Zechariah, and in that day, this is the second coming of the Lord, we separate the first advent and the second advent. First advent, he was rejected, came meek and, molet, meek and lowly, riding upon a donkey. Second advent, He's going to come as King of Kings and Lord of Lords. And on that day, according to Zechariah 14.4, his feet will stand again on the Mount of Olives, which faces Jerusalem on the east. And the Mount of Olives will be split in two from the east to the west, making a very large valley. Half of the mountain shall move toward the north and half of it toward the south. And that's where the judgment of the nations is going to take place. So very, very significant what Jesus was doing. Understand, Jesus was legitimately, and this is where I disagree with a lot of my brothers. Jesus was legitimately offering the kingdom to the nation of Israel. Not you and me. Not the Gentile. He's not really our king. He's the Jewish Messiah. He was the Jewish king. It's not my kingdom. It's the Jews' kingdom. He came to offer the Jews the glory again. He was going to restore Jerusalem. He was going to uh, fulfill the Abrahamic covenant in regards to land. He was going to fulfill the Davidic covenant in, in regards to the throne. But, he, but that offer was rejected. And as a result... The church was born. The gospel of reconciliation, the gospel of grace came upon the scene through the apostle Paul, not through the apostles, the twelve. The twelve were preach, preaching the gospel of the kingdom. They were looking forward to the reestablishment of the kingdom in their lifetime. Okay, the apostle Paul. He was focused on the gospel of grace, the gospel of reconciliation. The apostles preached, repent and be baptized for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. It's here. 
Paul never preached that. He said, believe (laughs) and thou shalt be saved. Uh, Paul didn't preach a gospel of repentance or a gospel of baptism or that or a gospel of the kingdom. He never did that. We're not rightly dividing the word of truth. And I think that's why we're so confused in our churches. It's why you have people running around saying you can lose your salvation. And for proof text, they're quoting the gospels. There is no church in the gospels. Now, sure, there's that word ecclesia upon this rock. I'll build my called out assembly. Guys, there's four churches mentioned in scripture. You had the church in the wilderness. <laughs> I mean, it's not the church, the body of Christ that Jesus is addressing in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And I believe in probably the first eight chapters of Acts. And that's why we get so confused. And that's why we have so many denominations and modes of baptism. Paul said, I'm glad I didn't baptize any of you knuckleheads except this one and that one. Paul didn't preach uh, baptism as a requirement for salvation. Paul didn't preach that you could lose your salvation. Paul didn't preach that we should be looking for the kingdom and repentance. And, you know, he didn't preach that. The apostles preached that, not Paul. And that's why we get so confused in the body of Christ today. So the Lord is going to come back one day. Except this time, again, he's not going to come meek and lowly riding upon a donkey. He's going to come on a white stallion. His feet are going to touch the Mount of Olives and they're going to break in too. Even the Muslims believe this. I mean, they've placed a cemetery in front of the eastern gate in Jerusalem because the Jews won't walk through a cemetery. Well, I got news for you. King Jesus could care less about that cemetery. Now, in verse number 26, let's get back before I I keep preaching here. I get a little excited um, for obvious reasons. Um, In Daniel chapter 9 again, and let's look at verse 26, and we'll start wrapping this up. And after three score and and two weeks, the Messiah will be cut off, but not for himself. There's the prophecy. Even though the Messiah comes at 483 years, and he did, he's going to be cut off, but not for himself. He's being cut off for us. He's being cut off for you and me. Their loss, the Jews, was the reconciliation of the Gentile. Their loss was the reconciliation of the Gentile. Remember, as Jesus started to come down that hill and enter through that eastern gate in Luke 19, he said, If you had known even you, especially you in this thy day, you should have known by the prophecies of Daniel that this was what's going to happen. The things that make for your peace, but now they are going to be hidden from your eyes. And today in the body of Christ, People are ignorant, man. I mean, I watch Christians are their own worst enemy, you know. I mean, the world is out to destroy us. The world hates us. Hate speech legislation is just a way to shut up Christians. And you're naive if you get on that little bandwagon. The only people that aren't going to have freedoms in our country eventually will be Christians because everything, everybody else will be protected from you, (laughs) from me, 
from the word of God. That's what they're doing. Make no mistake about it. In 2 Corinthians 6, 2, For he says, In an acceptable time I have heard you in the day of salvation. I have helped you. Behold, now is, now is the day of salvation. Just as with the Jew, they didn't know their day, so too with us today. Today is the best day to get saved. So, very interesting prophecy in Daniel. That's what Palm Sunday is. It was prophesied, Daniel chapter 9, 483 years after the giving of the command to restore, rebuild the walls of Jerusalem, the Messiah would come. And he did, April 36, April 6, 32 AD, bang, he's right there on the mountain, he's coming down, he goes to the temple, going to fulfill all the promises, bring in the kingdom, fulfill the covenants, but he was rejected, and he was crucified. But, their loss was our gain. The church, gospel, the good news, had come to the Gentile. That's what we celebrate on Palm Sunday. God bless you guys. Hope that you have a great day. Remember that God loves you wants the best for you. He's working all things out for your good.